Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. Uh, isn't he good? I'm going to ask you real quick uh, two specific things. just wants to touch some touch some bodies real quick but if you need a if you need a if you came in today with a physical need uh, and you need healing in your body I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and then if you see someone with their hand raised I just want you to come next to them put your hand on their shoulder just to agree with them amen so do that now if you would specific if you need physical anyone anyone needing a physical healing touch from God in your physical body I need you to raise your hand and I need the body to work I need you to work right now body go 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 to someone uh, multiple people with each person if you can I've got some in the back there but come on let's just believe how many can believe together for physical healing amen all right now uh, one other one other thing uh, if if there's Quite a few of you with one person needing physical healing, I might need you to go somewhere else for this. If you're here this morning and you need a heart healing, if your heart's been hurt, you know your soul's unhealthy, and you need you need healing of your heart, you need healing from the brokenness in you, then I just need you to raise your hand right now. Come on, we've all been there before. Let him heal your heart. Come on, somebody. All right? All right? And so I had a few more hands go up, and so... I need, I need someone to go uh, with my brother back here in the back uh, and, and, lay, and just agree with him, Mr. Max, if you would. And then I need, I need a lady also up here uh, in the front row over here by the piano, another lady to come up with her and lay hands on her. Just want to make sure everyone has people agreeing with them. How many of you know that he's our healer? Amen. Amen. He heals our body. But I'm telling you what, he heals our brokenness. How many of you are thankful that he heals our brokenness today, amen? Come on, how many of you know he can take our broken heart, man? He can take our grief and our pain, and he can turn it into joy. And it's the Lord's heart today to do this in us, man. So let's just agree together right now. If you, if you, as you're laying hands on that person, just, just, just begin to agree with open heaven over them right now and just begin to just agree with the healing. Come on, through the blood of Jesus right now. So, God, I just thank you for your presence in this house this morning. We thank you for your strength. We thank you for the power in Jesus' name, that in your name we are healed. By your stripes we are healed. You came that we could be set free in Jesus' name. So right now, God, all over this house, men and women, God, with their hands raised, we first of all, God, right now, we just agree that you are healer. We call physical bodies to line up right now in Jesus' name. I call that heart to come in alignment and to come in rhythm right now. We call blood pressure to be normalized right now. We call back pain to be gone in Jesus' name. We call ears to be open, God. We call eyes to be fixed in Jesus' name right now, God. We call knees, God, to be healed. We call bones to be restored. We call muscles and ligaments to be restored and healed and made new in Jesus' name. We call diabetes to be gone in Jesus' name right now, God. 
We just declare healing over every man and every woman from head to toe, God. You made them. You created them. You know every cell in their body. And we call their bodies right now to align with heaven in Jesus' name, God, for your glory. So be it. Yes and amen. Yes and amen right now. Now, God, you came to heal the brokenhearted, Lord. Your word says you declare that I came to heal the brokenhearted. I came to restore that wound. I came to pull you out of that pit of grief. I've come to restore your faith and to restore your joy. So right now, God, with those that have hands laid on them, that are dealing with brokenness and pain in their heart, God, we just declare right now the peace of God that surpasses understanding. Fill their heart and mind right now. We declare, God, that that heart is not covered with a Band-Aid, but that heart is made new right now in Jesus' name, that that heart is being fully restored, that faith is being elevated back in their mind, God, that they're locking eyes with you in Jesus' name. We pray, God, that the grief season is going away and the season of joy is coming upon them right now, God. Let the heaviness be broken off and let the joy of the Lord and the peace of the Lord begin to fill their hearts, God. May they begin to see, God, once again from the perspective of heaven, God, of how good you are, how mighty you are, and what you are able to do, and that you are healer and that you are restorer. So today, God, let those hearts be filled filled with you, and may they leave here, God, with the joy, the joy of the Lord is their strength. No matter what they're facing and what they've been through, God, they've got your joy, and it's their strength. And we thank you for being healer in this house this morning. We give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. Amen. Walk in it. Walk in it. Walk in it. Walk in it. Amen. The Lord's been put on my heart to uh, that he wanted to speak to us about the pursuit of righteousness and what that looks like. And But I think not only what it looks like, but I feel like he wants us to know what he has for us in the pursuit of righteousness. Because I think when we understand what he has for us in righteousness, the pursuit is naturally going to be there. Um, and so we're just going to break this down together. Um, if you want to go ahead and turn on, I'm actually going to start with something a little bit different. But if you just want to go to John, the Gospel of John, and then uh, and we're going to be moving, moving from there. But you can go ahead and at least have that place open. But the message is on the pursuit of righteousness. And <clears throat> let me just open with this. Um, the world's culture, uh, <clears throat> which has infiltrated the church in a lot of ways, uh, will teach you to pursue happiness. Amen? Do what makes you happy. Um. The problem is doing what makes you happy feeds your flesh. Uh, God's word says to pursue righteousness. Do what makes you holy. And when you pursue righteousness, you feed your spirit. 
When you do what just makes you happy, it feeds your flesh. When you pursue righteousness, you're going to feed your spirit. In Romans 14 and 17, I'm just going to quote this to you, but Romans 14 and 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. In other words, it's not just life's pleasures. It's not about just what makes you happy. So again, uh, Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not earthly enjoyment and pleasure. It's not eating and drinking. But, he says, it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what we need to understand is that true joy and peace is only found in the pursuit of righteousness. And as we got to live in this truth that we never, we never fully obtain it, so we're always pursuing righteousness, right? It's like every moment of every day, we're making this conscious decision because we know that life is in it, that we're pursuing righteousness. And, 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 and as a matter of fact, the more you, the more, I, I've just learned that the more that you try to do what makes you happy and feed your flesh, the less peace and joy that you have. It's such a lie of the enemy, right? I feel this way. I'm discouraged. I feel lonely. So I'm going to eat the whole tub of Oreo ice cream. I'm going to do what makes me feel happy. How many of you know you're not going to feel happy <laughs> at the end of that? Of course, we can go on and on and on with things that we use to uh, help fill areas in our life, but in the end, uh, a lot of times we end up in this place of, I need to do something that helps me feel fulfilled, that brings enjoyment, but ultimately in that, we're just doing something that satisfies our flesh, amen? Just a few weeks ago, I was speaking on the power of His name, and um, I quoted, I quoted Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10, and it says this. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. You guys remember that? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. It's a place of safety. It's a safe structure. And it's, but then it said this, and this is what I couldn't shake off of me after that sermon. It says, the righteous run to it and are safe. So the name of the Lord, everything that he is, right, Everything that he is is encompassed in his name, and, and, and the righteous are constantly running to it. They're constantly running to his name. They're constantly running to all that he is and everything, and in that pursuit, right, they are safe. They are secure. Well, if, if you go, if you look at that then, that the righteous are running to it. Running is a, it is, it, it is a pursuit, it's an action. You are chasing after, you are going after, you are looking for, you are reaching for that thing. So to live with this understanding again of what he has for us in righteousness and that in his name and all that is encompassed in and through him, when we fully grasp that, guys, then we're not going to be just running after whatever that we've whatever that we've that we've gripped a hold of in the in the world that 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 
um, that helps satisfy us, that helps please our flesh, that helps ease our pain in the moment, right? Right? Like we're not going to continue running back to that thing when we understand the revelation of truly, truly what brings peace and joy and what He has for us in righteousness. So the righteous, His name is a strong tower, and the righteous are absolutely running. They are running. They are they are focused. Their eyes are fixed on it, and they are running to it in everything because they know that that's the only place, come on, that can truly, truly give and release all that they need as sons and daughters. Amen? So what does righteousness look like? It's running to Him. It's running to Him. It's coming under all that He is. It's pursuit. Everybody say pursuit. Pursuit. I think this lacks a lot in the church. I think that we, when I say we, I just speak of the church as a whole, but I think we all want to get to heaven. I think we all love Jesus. Hopefully, most. Here we do. Um, We want to be used by him. We want to be good. But how many of you, how many of you agree with me that, that we, we live a lot unto ourselves and not unto him? Is that, is that safe to say? I, I, I feel like this sermon's for me and you guys just to get, to get to help receive it with me. But I feel like I live a lot unto myself. I really do. I feel like I chase a lot of things that, that make Scott happy, but not always making me righteous. And, but this scripture really grips me because it says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Everything that you need is within him. Amen. And the righteous are running. They are in pursuit of him in everything. Amen. And so, all right, you guys good? John 1. <clears throat> I just felt like I needed to share this before we get into some other aspects of this. But this is just really settled on my heart as I was praying over this pursuit of him, right? And, and what the pursuit of righteousness looks like. But here in John's gospel, uh, chapter 1 and verse 1, we're familiar, but let's read it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Amen. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then if you just jump down to verse 14 real quick, it says, And the word logos became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word that was from the beginning, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his, his glory. So, so, so I'm talking about the pursuit, the pursuit the running after, the chasing after righteousness, amen, chasing after Jesus, his name, all that he is. And then we learn that he is the word. So, so one thing I want us to understand in this, and I feel like what God's calling the church to like never before, is that, that listen, 
The Word of God is Jesus in print. Come on. It's Jesus in print. It's living. It's active. It's powerful. It's life. Come on, man. Everything. It, it's what we are to be in pursuit of. And not just a, not just a word or, or a knowledge or understanding, guys. But, man, it is, it is in pursuit of, of this word. And so I'm just saying, if we're running to Jesus, then we're running to his word. Because he is the word. Amen? Now you know the word is intimate because it's alive. No other book, no other, no other writing is intimate because it's not alive. But this word is intimate. It's like when you, when you wake up in the morning and, you, and you, some of you coffee, all of you coffee drinkers, shame, no, no. Because then around 10 or 10.30, I'm heading to the store and I'm going to get my Mountain Dew. That's my caffeine for the day. But when you wake up in the morning and you go through your routine and you and you get you get the word out you're sitting with Jesus. Right? Like you're getting in Jesus like every morning and and if you get in him and around him it's going to change you every time. Every time. You don't you won't even always understand it. The disciples were right there with him in the flesh, and he was releasing the word into them. And some of the things they got and some of the things, it went right over their head. But I guarantee you it impacted them. Amen? So it's like if, if in this pursuit of righteousness, I just feel like there's, there's and, and, I, and I, I, I feel like God's even going to develop, but I, I believe this is a church that desires the word. And I believe this is a church that I can see, I can see the fruit in your lives where this isn't just a, a church where, where people only touch their Bibles whenever they're grabbing it off the shelf to come to church on Sunday. Like I, I fully believe that this is a, a group of people that understand that you cannot live on bread and water alone, but on every word that proceeds out of his mouth. Amen. That we plan on eating his word and getting in his word as much as we do planning what we're going to have for breakfast, lunch, or dinner because we know that we're going to have to feed our flesh. Come on. But I feel like in, in the church as a whole around the world, and there's just, there's, to me there's such a lack of desire for studying and growing and knowing what the word of God says. Right? We hear a lot of people that they, 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 they know what they feel and they know what they think and this is what they're theologically based on and operating their lives out of. But in the pursuit of righteousness, we need to know what the Word says because He is the Word and we're in pursuit of Him, not what we think or, or, or feel, come on, is right or accurate. What does the Word of God say? So I'm just believing today for an awakening in this house, in our sons, in our daughters, in our children. I can just see people and family sitting around the table, man, and, 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 and opening up the Word of God, and, and children asking questions, and what's this mean, and why did that happen, and how can I do that, and wow, Jesus loves me this much. Come on, man. And we're just beginning to let the Word of God begin to come alive 
alive in their, in their lives so they're not just walking around with what they might think of is a book of, of expectation and laws and requirement. But let your children be raised with the revelation that what they're walking around with is Jesus in print, man. The one that loves him like no other. That true life is within it and let it begin to consume them. Let the word of God become exciting again, man. Get in the Bible stories and 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 get a little excited whenever you're teaching it to them, man. And let those things come alive to the kids. Come on, man. Let them begin to look forward to that time where you have family devotions and husbands and wives and even in your personal time. Oh God, let there be an awakening. Let your word never be boring or mundane to us, oh God. Let it never become obligatory again, God. No matter how many times we read it, man. I'm telling you, from cover to cover, and you go back from cover to cover, every time there's fresh revelation from precept to precept, God's Word is so good. Come on, somebody. How many know if we're going to be in pursuit of righteousness, we need to be in pursuit of His Word? Such a burning in my heart that God awakened this. You have to learn to encounter the man that's in the Word. It's not just information, it's living. And righteousness is in Him alone. Let me just say, stop, stop trying to just gain knowledge when you're, when you're studying or reading the Scripture and start looking to encounter Him in the Word. Sometimes you just read a verse and you sit back and you say, man, Jesus, let that just settle in every cell of my body. You begin to think about what it means and what he's saying. You begin to feel his love through that word, right? You begin to feel the intimacy of his heart for you and his love and his purpose for you and for your family and for the kingdom on earth. And all of a sudden, everything begins to shift and change. Amen. So I want to do that, actually. Uh, right now, I'm just going to read. I'm going to let the word work. Amen? And so you're, you're about to find out if you know where the books of the Bible are at. I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 37. We're going to kick off there. And we're just going to, we're going to let him wash us with the word in his call for us to righteousness. And in it, we're going to see what he has for us in the pursuit of righteousness. Psalm 37, you guys there? <clears throat> so I'm just going to read actually uh, quite a bit here in Psalm 37 because it's so good. Is that okay? So Lord, let your word be alive in us right now. Let, your, let this word, as we're about to read your word, it is living, it is powerful, it is changing us. So, Lord, as we read over these verses, let every one of them just settle in every cell of our body. In Jesus' name, let your word work. All right, so uh, 37 and 1. This is talking about the heritage of, of the righteous. And it says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. But it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Watch this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. 
Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that beautiful? He's giving to you because he's so good right now what is in righteousness and why you pursue it. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. He says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and a a wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. How many are thankful for that? The wicked plot against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are upright and and, uh, are, uh, are of upright conduct. The sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Verse 16, a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. Come on. That tells you that the most valuable thing that you could ever run after is righteousness. For the, man, for, the, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. Come on, somebody. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish into smoke, they shall vanish away. The wicked uh, borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. Verse 23, you all still good? The steps of a good man, a righteous man, are ordered by the Lord, and he delights. Aren't you thankful? He delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I'm so grateful for that. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of justice. The law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide powerful. Go to Proverbs chapter 12. Isn't this good? Proverbs 12. You got it? 
Verse 28. In the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. In the way of righteousness, in the pursuit, the running after of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Go to chapter 15, verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. The pursuit of righteousness opens heaven over your life. Come on, somebody. Go to chapter 21. Verse 21. He who follows righteousness and mercy, to follow is to pursue. He who follows, he who pursues righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor in the pursuit of righteousness. Go to the Gospel of Luke. Didn't know you were just coming to a little Bible study today, did you? Go to the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 18. Jesus was dealing with some people with some self-righteousness that felt like they could become righteous on their own. Luke in 18, um, in verse 9. Luke 18 and 9. And so also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And this is what he says in this parable, Jesus, in verse 10. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and he prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like all the heathens. I thank you that I'm better than they are. The extortioners, the unjust, the adulterers, and even this guy over here next to me, I thank you that I'm so much better than he is. I'm such a good man. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. And then there was a tax collector that was standing afar off. Jesus says he would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I wanted to give this to you because because we're talking about the pursuit of righteousness. and, And this particular passage on this subject teaches us that humility is the pathway of righteousness. Come on. Like humility. Let me tell you, there's no one in here that has a sin greater than anyone else. There's no one in here that's any greater or lesser than anyone in here. Come on. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, all of us need the mercy and grace of God 
to cleanse us and bring us into a place where we can pursue righteousness and become more like him. Humility is the pathway of righteousness. Amen? That has, that's, our, that's our lane. That's our lane and everything we're doing is we're running hard after him. Turn, in, turn now to uh, Romans. Praise Jesus. Romans in chapter 1. <clears throat> Hope you're writing these down because I would like to preach on every one of these. But I felt like the Lord just wanted me to release these to you. But if you, want, if you, if you don't have anything to write these verses down and you want them, get a hold of me and I'll, I'll send them to you. Romans in chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And he defines it. He says, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. And then he says, for in it, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That is so, so powerful, guys. And then if you look in verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and, and unrighteousness of men who suppress truth in unrighteousness. God, let us pursue your righteousness. Turn to chapter 3, Romans 3. So just, just go a couple more chapters. Romans 3 and 21. You there? But now the righteousness of God apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in, in Jesus Christ. I watch this. To all and on all who believe. Let's read that again. Verse 21. But now the, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even <coughs> excuse me, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation or fulfillment by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed, verse 26, to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Amen. Look at chapter 5. Verse 17 to 21. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, um, 
As through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, speaking of Adam. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in the injustification of life. For as by one man's disobedient, many, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Come on. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. I'm going to stop for a second because there's people, I believe, that feel like you can't pursue righteous because you've been unrighteous. And what you're doing is devaluing what Jesus did on the cross for you. Come on. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Come on. That you can become righteous. It's so good. I'll read that again, starting in verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounds much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Come on. Isn't he good? Encounter him through this word. This is Jesus. Go to, go to 2 Corinthians. I'll be done shortly with all these verses, but his word can do so much more than I can. 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. <clears throat> this is beautiful. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. Look at this. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. And here's why. And this is why we've got to pursue righteousness. That we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Christ. That's his plan. That's his purpose for our life in this pursuit of it. Isn't it beautiful? Look at, um, look at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians in chapter 3. Um, no, let's go to verse 6. Ephesians Six. This is familiar, but I just wanted to drop this in on you too because this is <clears throat> talking about the armor of God and, and what we're to put on. And in, and in verse 14, it talks about this. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with the truth and having put on the, ble- the breastplate of righteousness. Part of pursuing righteousness is this call of the armor of God and, and where, where, where he said, finally, brethren, uh, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the armor of God. In this pursuit of righteousness, we are rightly clothing ourselves. Come on, man with the armor of God. In this pursuit of righteousness, he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Everything, all the living organ is right here. Come on, man. So that breastplate, that breastplate covers your heart. Covers your heart. And yet, again, just like myself, so often I live so much of my day unto myself. 
what I want to do, where I want to go. I make those decisions according to how I feel, maybe, and what I want or what might make me happy. And, 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 and often we leave home whenever that's what we're walking towards without putting armor on at all. But yet in this pursuit of righteousness, we understand this battle that we're in and and, uh, everything that is warring against our flesh. Come on, someone. And we learned how to get up every morning and literally put on, put on, right? We put on the Word because He is righteous, right? So we put on, we put on the breastplate of righteousness and we clothe ourselves with the Word and with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. To walk rightly in pursuit of righteousness all through the day. Amen? Come on. Um, turn to Philippians. I'm just going to read a couple more, and then I'm going to get to the main scripture for today. Philippians in chapter 3, and <clears throat> verse 7. So Philippians 3, and verse 7 through 11. But what things were gained to me, I love this, Paul says, uh, that I, that, what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. In other words, there's nothing that I've gained that, that is even remotely equivalent to Jesus in my life. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the, of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Isn't that beautiful, guys? Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. So good. Let me give you one more. Go to, keep going back. Go to 1 John. Right there before Revelation. Go to 1 John in chapter 2. 1 John and 2. And verse 24, we're going to pick up at 24. We're going to read for just a little bit until I can see what I want. First um, John 2, okay, now I'm there. Verse 24, okay. You got it? Read, read, read this, Get, find him in this. Therefore, let that, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning, If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And in this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Look at verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him. That when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner 
of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we're children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as he is pure. There's the pursuit of righteousness. Come on. I'm going to read just a little bit more. Is that okay? Verse 4, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he is manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. What a powerful promise. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy. Very, one of the very purposes Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil. Why would we partner with something that Jesus came to destroy? Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Church, what are we going to do with that? The pursuit of righteousness. Or I say pursuit of righteousness. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? I want to <clears throat> I want to kind of give you some direction. And uh, uh, we'll, we're going to land here, I promise. This is the last passage of Scripture, but this is kind of, this is the core word for today. Uh, if you want to turn in 2 Timothy in chapter 2, and I want you we have some powerful instruction on what, what it looks like to live righteously and to pursue righteousness. And uh, so we're going to dig into that here in just a moment. But I want to give you three biblical ways to help you pursue righteousness. So three, three things that we know that the Word tells us that, we, that we're to be doing in pursuit of righteousness, to receive all that he's showed us and talked to us about today that are the inheritance of the righteous, okay? <clears throat> so three things. I want to start right here. Um, let's, let's get into the first. Let's read this first. 2 Timothy 2 and uh, verse 19. We're going to read verse 19 through 22. Uh, Nevertheless... The solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone, uh, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from, depart from, walk away from, leave from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So flee, flee youthful lusts, 
but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. <clears throat> but avoid foolish arguments. Like actually, let's just let's just stop right there. That's enough. Isn't that good? So th- this this is equipping. Pastor, I want to live right for God. I want to stop living in compromise. I want to be stronger. I want to, I want to begin to make better decisions. I don't want to keep making the same mistakes. I want to grow in character. Come on, man. I want to be pleasing to God. I want, I want to have an open heaven. over. I want him to hear my prayers because he hears the prayers of the righteous. I just want to be pleasing to God because I know how much he loves me. How do I do this? What's this look like? And this is what's, what's being addressed here in 2 Timothy. And so the first, I'm giving you three things, but the first thing, the first step, the first biblical step that we've been given to pursue righteousness is to flee from sin and temptation, right? Like a lot of times I feel like we've asked, we've asked the Lord to take stuff away from us while we're stretching our hand out towards it. Like, Lord, help me stop this. Take this away from me. And we're grabbing a hold of it at the very same time. And God says, listen, I'm going to empower you. We're going to learn about that in just a minute. That, man, we have this calling to know that, that what I just read even in the, in, the, in, the, in the passage before is that we are children of God, man. We're ambassadors for Christ. He's raised us up to this place to live as sons and daughters, man, and to live in righteousness because he is righteous. And in that, he says, guys, in this pursuit of righteousness to grow in character, man, to stop causing pain in your life, you've got to flee from sin and temptation. Flee youthful lust. That word flee is to, is to run away from, man. It is to get away. It is to separate from. I think of Joseph when he was there in the palace and Potiphar's wife was trying to throw herself on him and, and, and how in that, in that moment, uh, uh, Joseph, um, he, 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 he just fled, Ran out of those doors, ran out of that situation. He got up and he he ran away from the temptation. That's encouraging and convicting. It's encouraging because we can we can flee. It's also convicting. I just want to help someone because there's some people in here that didn't run away. What I'm going to encourage you is I'm going to have you look around because there's not another person breathing in this sanctuary that hadn't at one point in time in their life didn't run away. Come on. Let's help someone out. Who didn't run away at one point in time? Raise your hands. Who didn't at one point in time run away? Who didn't have a situation in that moment? They didn't flee from it. Every one of us did here in some way. You are no different than everyone in here. God is taking us and he's rising us up, man. You're, you, you, you no longer have to be defined by that moment that you didn't flee from. But now God is calling you and raising you up, and it's time to lock your eyes with Jesus and his righteousness. It's time to see all that he has for you in righteousness, and may let that be the only pathway that you're running towards. Joseph was a powerful example of that. As he, just, he flat out just got up and ran out of that place. He wasn't going to allow a momentary happiness alter his destiny. 
God, let that grip us. Amen? Then we have, then we have David, who got a glance at Bathsheba in the bathtub. Let me you know David had a choice. He could have fled from the temptation or responded to his flesh. We know that David didn't run. He didn't, he didn't flee. He, he gave in to his fleshly passions and desires, just like all of us have in different areas of our life. And it resulted in destruction and pain, just like a lot of us, come on, have felt destruction and pain from moments in our lives where we didn't flee from that temptation and that thing. Come on, What happens is, and what happened with David, first of all, David was where he wasn't supposed to be. Amen? You'll always find yourself vulnerable when, you, when, you're, when, when you're in a place that you shouldn't be at and when you're not where you're supposed to be at. Amen? But what you'll learn from this and what you'll learn from your own life is, is a lot of times where we, where we fall into not fleeing is where we begin to make room for sin. See, ultimately, where David was standing on that other roof, he made room. He made room for sin. He made room to give into that thing. And I, I want to share this with you. In, Prov- uh, no, in Romans In chapter 13 and verse 14, it says this, put on the Lord Jesus, right? Remember, remember the, the, uh, the, the, the armor of God, put on, clothe yourself, put on righteousness, man, before you walk out your door and all day long, you put on righteousness, but it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, put on righteousness and make no provision for the flesh. Make no, I'm helping some people today because all of us are in this. Because we all still battle flesh. I'm standing here as your pastor and I'm telling you, this message is for me. So don't let the enemy cause you to sit out there and feel guilt and shame like this is an unachievable goal for you or that you've already passed your opportunity. Man, we're all in this thing together. Come on, somebody. But man, we're awakening we're awakening to the lessons that we've learned. One of the things I, that, that you've got to appreciate about, about, about David is David did have a heart for God, man. He had a heart for God. He had a weak moment. He gave in to that, and then that thing opened. How I many you know, one's, if, if you make room for one sin, it will always open up other doors of sin. So David's one sin ended up in lying and ended up in murder. Come on. God, let that awareness be in us today. But my heart for us today is that we, we, we have an awakening within us to, to, to desire so much what he has for us that we begin to make no provision and no room for sin and temptation. It's what, it's what Romans 13, 14 says. It says, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Don't make room for it. Run from it. Make no provision for it. Get away from it. Get away from it. If you, if you have to go computerless, you go computerless. Come on, man. If you gotta, if you got to change your job to get out of a, a, a situation that, 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 that is tempting, then, you, then God's big enough for that. He's your provider. Change jobs. Like, like I, 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 I think sometimes we, we, we put too much 
on ourselves that we can bear something when we can't, and in doing that, we make provision for it. We make room for it. I don't know about you, but I want to be like Joseph, and I, I want to run right out of my thingy-majiggy if I have to. Hopefully I can take it with me. But at whatever the cost, I'm running away from that thing. I'm not making provision for it. I know my weaknesses. How many of you know we all have different weaknesses? We all do. It's like, I know mine. Make no provision for it. If, if you struggle with lust, make no provision for it. Make no provision for it. Get everything off of your TV if you struggle for lust that doesn't need to be there. Get rid of your TV if you need to get rid of your TV. Don't watch anything even remotely, which basically is the TV. So it's a commercial. It's, come on, somebody. And it's like, we, we, we've got to get such a heart for God. We've, we've got to get such a heart for his anointing and for his power and for, for what is available for us. There's so many people are just living with emptiness and void. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church, man. Because, again, we're living so much unto ourselves, and we're doing things that make us happy and not make us holy. And in the minute, it, moment, it might feel good, but it's not, it's not bringing about righteousness. And we're in this constant cycle, man, of encountering God one moment, and then we're just filling our flesh the rest of the time. And we're not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not living under and walking in and receiving, come on, all of the benefits of the righteous. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous are running to it and nothing else. There's nothing else that I'm running after. There's nothing else. I, I, I love the church, and I love pastoring, but I'm not running after pastoring, and I'm not running after having a successful church. I'm running after him. And as I run after him, I believe I'll be anointed and healthy to be able to enjoy healthy community. And the, the result of that will become life and health and growth in the kingdom of God and in the church. What are you running after? What has gripped you? What has gripped you that you're leaning on? that you're trusting in, that you're feeding your flesh with, that's bringing more fulfillment than the kingdom of God. God, awaken this in our hearts. Church, I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't, wanna, I don't want this to sound religious like, like law, but, but I'm like, guys, we, we, we are, we're pursuing ourselves. We're pursuing our flesh. We're consumed with entertainment. We'll watch hours and hours and hours and hours of entertainment on TV that's absolutely pointless that the next day you can't even remember what you watched. And we won't, we'll barely even if all open Jesus up. Which is the only place where there's true life. Come on. Young people, get a hunger for God. Enjoy being young. Enjoy your youth. But flee the lusts of the youth. Ask God that you encounter him right now. Ask him to give you a desire for his word. 
Get in the scripture and just begin to study it. Read Psalms and read Proverbs and, and, and just ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand what that verse means, man. And then take it to mom and dad or grandma and grandpa and say, hey, what about this? What's this mean? And, and I'm telling you, it is life. You won't ever open that book, that word, open Jesus and not be changed for it if you open it up with an open heart. If you open it up to truly pursue righteousness and to find the man in the word, it will always change you. Come on. And we neglect the word so much. Anyways. Everybody say flee. Flee. In the pursuit of righteousness, we've got to flee from, run from temptation, run from sin. The, the second one, and this, to me, this is, this is like defensive. We're defensive, amen? And then, and then the second one, and I'm going to wrap this up quickly, but we've got to be proactive in pursuing righteousness, and that's what I just talked about in the pursuit of the word. But you flee from, he says, flee from, flee from sin and pursue, pursue. Be proactive in pursuing righteousness. Now you're on the offense. It's time to go, it's time to gain some ground. Let me say this. Let's just use a basketball analogy. Let's just say uh, your, your, your team is excellent, excellent at defending. You've learned how to defend. You, you've learned how to make sure that the opponent doesn't get where they need to be in your, in your area, right? But how many know you'll never win the game if you just play defense? Because if you're just playing defense, you're never going to score. So a lot of times, a lot of times the church has learned that, that that's what that's just all we're doing all the time. We're just playing. We're just trying to. If I can just be strong enough to say no, be strong enough to flee, be strong enough to run away. Come on, come on. Be strong enough to get away from that thing. Be strong enough to say no. And we we just kind of live in that position of defense, which we have to, as as he says, flee from sin. But we've got to be on the offense, and the offense, and really what feeds the defense is being proactive and pursuing righteousness. Amen. So here, here, is the, here is the counterpart to fleeing sin. 2 Timothy 2.22, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. Now watch this. This is pretty important. First, he says, you have to run after it. You've got to run after it. What are you running after? You've got to run after righteousness. It's not going to just chase you down, man. You've got to be pursuing it. You've got to be intentional of putting on Jesus every day. But then he says, uh, he, then he, then he says uh, you can't do it alone. Then he, then he goes on and he says, get some people around you to run with that can sharpen you and hold you accountable. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. The enemy will always want to isolate you. So in the pursuit of righteousness, we need to be running along with others who are calling on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. Come on, come on. I mean, you know, we need some men. I need some men that I can look at and say, I, I, I know I can run. I know I can run with Javen. I want to run with Javen because I know that he calls on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. I'm going to run with Javen. I'm going to get beside him. We're going to do this thing together. Amen? We're going to do it. I'm going to get with Max. I'm going to get with Tony. I'm going to get with all the guys that, that, that have pure hearts, and we're going to run after this thing together because there's strength that way. God never intended, us, intended for us to, to do it alone. So again, one of, the, one of the greatest things the enemy will try to do is when you go through a hard season that will be 
be more challenging for you to pursue righteousness because when things are hard, something's hurting in us. And when something's hurting in us is when our flesh gets the loudest. So when our flesh gets the loudest is when we're most vulnerable to do what makes us happy and not holy. And then in that, the enemy will try to isolate you. But, but, but God's word says just the opposite. It says, flee, flee from that temptation. Flee from sin. Pursue righteousness and do it with people that are calling on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. Isn't that so powerful? So God, help us. Let this grip us inside that we get this in us and we grow in character. Come on, man. We're, we're, we're pursuing. We're pursuing. We're running after him in all that we do. Amen. Um, can I just say this real quick? <clears throat> Righteousness isn't a title we get through good acts. Righteousness is a quality of our character developed in us through our pursuit of the only one who is righteous, and that's Jesus. The gospel empowers us to be transformed so that our character will begin to match his. And we're all in that pursuit. We're all in that pursuit. Come on. Our righteousness comes through him. So to actively pursue righteousness, we have to be running after him. I'm going to give you the third one, but I feel, I, uh, I, I, I feel this in my spirit. In, in running after righteousness, um, we're only righteous in him. Um, we're running together with those who have a pure heart called the name of the Lord. But, but um, stop expecting people to run at your pace. Because we're all at oftentimes at different places on that marker of maturity of when we came into the Lord from things that happened in our life or whatever that it is. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna gently lead one another in truth and we're going to have accountability and that kind of stuff. But we also need to learn how to not have expectation for where someone else is at based on where we're at. Back when I was a runner, before I hurt my knees, I would, I would run some races and when I would when I would run the race, they would they would uh, or practicing when I, when I would do the practice for the races, um, they would <clears throat> be where you would start at. They would have groups broken up, and there would be someone holding a sign up, and the sign would it would say like uh, four four fifty four four minutes fifty second many miles whatever. I knew not to get close to that group. Okay, and then there there'd be one like in twenty second increments all the way down. I knew, I knew, I knew that I couldn't run that fast, and and if I did try to run that fast, I might be able to start out with them, but there's no way that I'd be able to finish. There's no way, physically, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't built for that yet. I wasn't matured for that yet. And so, but but I but I knew I knew I could get in like the eight fifty minute range. 
So I, I would find that group. I'd look for that guy that had that sign up. And what, and what we learned in that, those that say we run eight-minute, 50-second miles over, over 10 miles, I knew that if I kept that pace from the very beginning, that I would be able to complete that race all the way, all the way to the end. But if I, ran, if, I, if I outpaced myself too fast, I wouldn't be able to finish. Does that make sense? And so can we, can we turn that around and say... Um, the church needs to need, we, we, we need, but at the same time, when I'd run that race, there were people that couldn't run. They were walkers. But when I was running that race, they'd have, they had bands at the half marathon. They had bands all, all there was people all over the course in different places. And, and so you'd go for a little while and you wouldn't see one. Then you'd come around the corner and there'd be a high school band there playing the tuba and beating on the drums and I'm about to fall over, but it, it picked you up. But but I did that. But but I but when you when you do that, you notice they're cheering. They're doing the same thing for the for the four minute mile guy, and then they're doing they're doing the same thing for the walkers that are doing that are doing thirty thirty minute miles. Come on, because they're accomplishing their goal and they're doing their best. I just say we need to we need to learn how to not compete, but just to cheer one another on. And and then and when I recognize that my brother maybe area of his life that that he needs to grow in maturity, and man, I'm not I'm not here to to put a pin in that thing and stir it up. I'm just here to come alongside of him, hold him up, and help lead him in righteousness in the Word. Come on, man, to where where God can grip that within Himself and mature him or her in that area on their own, where they become when they when they can grow into that and pass that and be healthy. Amen. So I just want to leave that there with you. So we're, we're, isn't this so easy, but we don't do it. So how do, how do, how do we pursue righteousness? We, we, we learn to run away. We learn to run away. We learn to flee sin and flee temptation at whatever cost we run away from it. Come on, Joseph, run out of that palace, man. Okay. And then we pursue we, act, we are pursuing. He's the main thing. We're pursuing righteousness. And then the third thing I'll share with you, closing with this, <clears throat> is we need to live, we need to live in unison with the Holy Spirit. In Galatians in chapter 5, it says, Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How many know the, the flesh is going to lust? It, it just will, all of us. Until Jesus comes and we go be with him, that flesh is going to be lusting, so we've got to overcome it. So this verse is so powerful. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we've got to ask ourselves, then, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Well, if I'm walking in the Spirit with the understanding that I have flesh that's lusting, that I'm going to be walking under the influence of my flesh or I'm going to be walking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So a key thing to help us learn to grow in righteousness as we walk out of here today is we're running from sin. We're running from temptation. We're cutting those things. We're getting them out of our life. We are pursuing and running hard after righteousness. We're going to get in the Word because Jesus is the Word. We're going to begin to conform from it, and then we're going to, we're going to walk in the Spirit. So we're going to live under the full influence of the Holy Spirit. And in that, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit's going to lead you. He's going to, he's going to guide you. He's going to convict you. You're going to be watching something. He's going to say, I don't like that. Why do you have that in front of me? 
Nothing about that. that, that what, what you're being entertained with right now is the very thing that Jesus came to destroy. It's the works of the devil. And the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you. You're going to be somewhere. You're going to be in a conversation. And the Holy Spirit, under his influence, you're going to feel that prompting. Because if you're close to him, you're going to know him. Come on, someone. You're going to feel that. And I feel like the, the more we stay under his influence, the, the more sensitive we are to his voice. And the more, the, the more quickly we pick up on his prompting. I don't know. I don't want to take a step if he's not causing me to move there. Amen? And I don't want to. And I don't want to not step up. He says, I want to be where the Holy, I want to be under the Holy Spirit's influence in everything that I do and everywhere that I go so that I won't fulfill the lust of my flesh. Come on, someone. It'll, he'll change your language, man. He'll change, he'll change even, even how you react to things. He'll change you're not getting angry anymore. He'll, he'll, he'll cause you to love the way that he loves. Come on. All about living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you. The pursuit of righteousness. Amen? Stand with me. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to have Craig come and just play something here, maybe for a moment. But guys, this sermon, so on my heart for our church, for the kingdom of God as a whole, in this culture that our, that our young people are surrounded in with so many lies from the pit of hell. Come on. I want our young people to be grounded in the Word of God. I want our children and our young people to know who they are in Christ. I want them to know what it looks like to pursue righteousness. I want them to understand what the Word says about how their life should look and how they should live and what's permissible and what isn't permissible and what a woman of honor and integrity looks like and what a man of character looks like. Come on, somebody. In all of those things, and as a church, that we are doing that together, that we're running together, that we have people alongside of us that are truly calling on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart, man. How many of you agree with me that we get compromised out of the church? How many of you agree that you get compromised out of the church? How many of you agree with me that we'll stand on the Word of God? That we'll stand on the Word of God. That we won't, we won't conform to the patterns of this world. But for us to do that as a church, you've got to do it in your homes. Because the church is just the extension of your home. Come on, somebody. I'm in the pursuit of righteousness. Let every decision that we make be based on the pursuit of righteousness, of walking with Him and being right with Him. May I live with such sensitivity under the influence of the Holy Spirit that I'm quick to recognize what's around me and that I flee, I flee, I run from, I'm running from, I'm running from my flesh, I'm running from temptation, I'm running from sin, I'm getting away from it. But not only that, I'm going to be on the offense, and I'm pursuing Jesus, man. I am pursuing him. I'm pursuing his word. I'm pursuing righteousness. I'm going hard after it, man. Because we read all of those scriptures today, and all those scriptures was, was just a small piece of your inheritance as the righteous. Come on. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Amen? Let me pray with you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and... Uh, Amen. So I'm just going to just give a quick invitation that if there's someone here that's outside of a relationship with Jesus and you want to 
ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, man, if you want to step into this life with him, pursue righteousness. If you, if you need to accept Jesus, Lord and Savior, if you just raise your hand, I don't know if there is or not, but I don't want to, I want to give that invitation every, every Sunday that I, not, I don't want anyone leaving here, not knowing who he is and not being right with him. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I want to pray for the rest of us this morning. Can we, can we pray together that we would, that we would stop living for ourselves and begin living for Him more. Can we do that? That we begin to live our lives in true pursuit of righteousness. So can you just pray this with me? Can you just open your heart and lift your voice up to the Lord in the areas of your life where you know you've been doing things that maybe make you happy, but you're ready to make yourself righteous. You're ready to, to pursue righteousness, to pursue holiness, and really just to grow in this character. So let's just pray this out together. Father God, we just thank you for this church family. I thank you for this body, God. I thank you for their hearts. I thank you for their love for you. I thank you for their commitment to you, God. You are so good. I've seen their pursuit. I see their love for you, Lord. I know that it's there. But, God, I know that just like myself, God, I get busy sometimes. And I, and it seems like I do, I do more things that, that maybe make me comfortable or make me happy or give me pleasure than I do just pursuing you, God. I know there's things sometimes that are out of balance and in that area of my life, God. And I know that when we go through pain and when we when we get hurt and we're vulnerable, God, that, that we're, we're, we're definitely vulnerable to feed our flesh, Lord. So, God, I just declare today that we grab a hold of your word and your promises, that we, we just declare that you are righteous and that those who are in you are pursuing righteousness. I declare today, God, that there's an awakening in our heart to pursue you like never before. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you just let your word your living word come alive. And God, that as all of us begin to get in your word, that we encounter you, the man Jesus, in the scripture, Lord. Let it be intimate. Let it be personal. Let it strengthen, equip, correct, instruct, and do all, and fulfill all of its purpose in us in Jesus' name. And I just pray into us, God, that we would be able to fulfill that scripture in 2 Timothy 2. Let it get down deep in our core that we have such a longing for righteousness that we will flee from sin. We'll flee from temptation. The moment that we sense it or feel it, that we will not make room for it, but that we will run from. We will run from that thing, God. And in return, Lord, we're going to be running to righteousness. We're going to run to your word. We're going to do it with other people that are calling upon your name out of a pure heart, God. And we're going to grow in integrity, and we're going to grow in character, and we're going to grow as your ambassadors in righteousness in this pursuit of you. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it. We're running to you. We're running to you. We're running to you. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, we need your help. We need your strength. You produce self-control. A fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So when you begin to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you're going to find yourself having supernatural self-control because it's His fruit manifesting in you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Help us to only move when you move and help us to move where you're moving. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, empower us to live and to pursue 
righteousness, for your kingdom, and for your glory. And may we never buy into the compromise of the world. But let us be a house, let us be families, and let us be individuals that stand on the secure foundation of your holy word in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time, 